0: Oh,
1: it's, alive. it's alive! It's alive!
0: It's alive! It's alive! When this dead hand moves. The monster created by a man they called Mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men. (laughs) To shock women into uncontrolled hysteria. Elizabeth! To prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about, talked about, the spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions, Frankenstein. Don't touch that!
1: It's alive. It's alive. Welcome back to the Essential Films podcast, a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies ever made or the Essential Films. I'm Adolfo Acosta, and I am joined by my uh, hunchbacked co-host, Mr. Mark Espinosa.
0: What's all this nonsense of locked doors? (laughs) I guess that guy doesn't live in Chicago or Newark. (laughs) But, <laughs> that line always bothers me. Like, non <laughs> locked doors are nonsense. Like, come on, bro.
1: Um. So, on today's episode, we will be discussing, uh, Frankenstein. So, last, you know, we were a little late with our Halloween episode this year. That's okay. Uh, we're recording this a few days before Thanksgiving. So, a little better late than never. But it'll it's okay i think yeah I, like we always
0: say on this show and on other shows better late than never
1: so let's get it let's go into our frankenstein stats here uh it was directed by the great james whale produced by carl Lemley jr with a screenplay by francis edward uh farragut and garrett ford uh, based on of course the frankenstein novel by mary shelley uh, starring colin clive may clark john Bowles. Dwight Fry, Edward Van Sloan, Frederick Kerr, and of course, Boris Karloff, or as they put in the credits, question mark. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was released, you know, it, even though we're uh, we're not doing this for Halloween, we're actually kind of timely with this because the original release date was November 21st, 1931, so we're actually kind of um, near yeah. the, the anniversary there. Uh, That's 70, right. would be 78? No, 88th, 88th anniversary. Uh, and, of course, the... Um, uh, the makeup was done uh, by Mr. Jack Pierce, which is a very important part of this film. Um, so, as always, we like to kind of f- figure out uh, where uh, where we were whenever we first saw the film. So where did you first see uh, the original 1931
0: Frankenstein? This one's easy. Se- uh, seven years ago, Turner Classic Movies had it on, and I recorded it. It was during that phase when I was just developing my cinephileness. Um, It was right after college, and I had uh, I had purchased one of those uh, 1,000 Movies to See Before You Die books. Um, I forget which edition it was, but it was the one with uh, Marlon Brando as uh, Don Corleone on the cover. Uh, so what I was doing was I was going through that book and just kind of highlighting stuff that I needed. Like I mean, I had to see all of them, but I was just highlighting. As I was going through the book, I was highlighting stuff that I had already seen. right? So that way I knew, oh. You know, um, let's see, for example, just what like Gone with the Wind. Okay, highlight. I've seen it, highlight uh, Robocop, highlight it, seen it, you know. Uh, so as I was going through that book, I would kind of just at the same time kind of compare um, Turner Classic movies, you know, programming schedule. oh, what can I DVR, you know, from this book? And then one of them, I think it happened to be around October for Halloween was uh, Frankenstein. So, of course, I DVR'd that and I, uh, I was able to finally watch it. And it's and it. this was this was kind of uh, interesting, too, because I had told my mother that I had taped it, so she hadn't seen it in so long, so she wanted to watch it with me. You know, this is one of the movies like this. Um, it's what she, like, she would watch with my grandfather. You know, my grandfather loved movies, too. So this was one of the things she got to share with him. And, you know, the original Frankenstein, you know, it was a classic. And so I finally got to watch it. I watched it with my mother, and... You know, it's, it's definitely, uh, it definitely stays with you because, you know, you think like, it, it, and here's my question when it comes to that. It's like, it it stays with you now watching it, you know, when I watched it in 2012 and then every year that I've watched it since, especially this most re- recent screen I had for myself, you know, it just kind of stays with you even long after it's done. It's like, I wonder how the people in 1931 seeing this felt, you know, like, I mean, it's it's it the what they what they use especially you know going watching the, uh, the documentaries and the behind the scenes of how they really use like the German expression expressionist cinema and the techniques to kind of you know create this atmosphere and create this aura of what's going on and like it, it turned out to be very effective as far as like you know bringing tension to the audience and kind of just making them feel the sense of dread of what's going on and you know kind of in in a in a sense doing a double turn when it comes to the monster because like at first you're horrified by him but then as the movie progresses you start to feel bad for him because you know he didn't ask to be brought into this world he was kind of just created and now he kind of has to fend for himself he doesn't know what's going on so like even though he's a monster like through the way it's filmed the way it's shot like you're you're kind of trained to feel bad for him, which is kind of an amazing beat of filmmaking that, you know, as far as storytelling that you can do. Um, but we, we can get more into the meat and potatoes of that later. But as far as just his first viewing, it was through TCM, I DVR'd it, and I've watched it every year since.
1: So uh, I believe uh, I've, I've gone over this before on this show, specifically about um, my early fascination with monsters. And... um the first time I watched this, I was a really little kid. I was probably like six or seven years old. And I, I, I'm i just going to repeat the story. Back in the day, you know, in, in elementary school, we had these book fairs. And in the book fairs, uh, there was this book that I bought. Um, and it was something, it was called, like I don't remember the name. And it was about like famous movie monsters, basically. And it was just like... I don't know, maybe like a hundred page book, maybe even less, um, you know, it's meant for little kids and it just kind of went through like kind of almost the history of horror movies. And they kind of talked about like, you know, they started with, like, Nosferatu and the Gollum, you know, and then they went through, like, the Universal Monsters, and I think they went up maybe into, like, the 60s or 70s, but, um, and of course the Universal Monsters were heavily featured in there, and this is a book, by the way, that I have tried in my old age (laughs) to, like, search for it on eBay, and I don't know how to search for it, because, like, I I just put, like, Monster Book or or Book About Famous Movie Monsters, and I get results, but they're not the one, like, they're not the same book, and I wish I could could remember the name of the stupid book because i would love to get that piece of my childhood back um but anyway so in there they talk a lot about the universal monsters so i went out to the uh uh our local video store uh back when those were still a thing in the mid 80s uh and uh, I still remember the name of it Mr. Willie's represent uh Mr. <laughs> Willie's is no longer unfortunately but uh they did have all the classic universal monster movies on VHS and I went through them I went you know I went through Dracula and I went through Frankenstein and the wolfman and the invisible man and the mummy and all of them um and yeah you know i saw i saw and you know i think that's a good introduction for kids in horror because i think that's the kind of horror i think kids can deal with at that age you know um because it's not super scary for little kids i think at least by today's standards it's still kind of creepy and, and spooky but i think i think like a six seven eight year old kid i think could handle it um and it just you know ignited this like love of monsters for the rest of my life but yeah that's first time i saw it was in the in the um mid-80s uh on on vhs uh that was the first time yeah and and fond memories of that of course yep um but yeah it's uh you know it's a great it's a great film um and it's uh it's a a very big very kind of a very strong legacy it's probably regarded as one of the best films of that of that era as far as uh monster movies i think between this and bride of frankenstein people kind of go back and forth as to which one is the is the better movie but um you know this is the one that's kind of started it all well dracula really started it all but yeah. is the one that you know i think people really closely associate with with the universal monsters
0: now they wanted a uh, Legosi to play the monster here too, if I'm not mistaken, right? But I forgot what happened.
1: So basically, it, um, whenever so Universal Studios was kind of like not doing well, right? Uh, it had lost a lot. It had lost a lot of money, and um, whenever Dracula opened, it was a huge hit. So basically, as soon as Dracula became a hit the head honchos at, uh, at Universal, you know, run by Carl Emley, uh, were like, we're going to go right into another kind of classic monster story, and we're going to do Frankenstein. So they announced um, that they're going to do more horror movies. They announced Frankenstein right away. And Bela Lugosi was originally cast as the monster. Um, but there was another um, director uh, that was – that w- it wasn't uh, James Whale. It was – uh, let's see, uh, Robert Flory. It was his name, and uh, he was gonna. Ca- and he was, and he had cast the uh, logos. He has the monster, um, but he had basically the way he was going with it was was not kind of the sympathetic, uh, kind of childlike monster that uh, Boris Karloff played, but really much more of a uh, like killing machine kind of monster. And uh, that combined with the fact that, like, the makeup tests weren't working well, uh, Bell Lugosi was like, screw this, I'm out. So <laughs> that, that's, so, and then they ended up going with, with Boris Karloff. But you're right, um, Lagosi was originally scheduled to play um, Frank, uh, the monster. And he actually wanted to, he actually didn't even want to be the monster, he wanted to be the, 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 the scientist, he wanted to play Dr. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Um, but they obviously went another way.
0: Right. I mean, that's that's interesting, too. Um, I mean, you, when you think Bela Lugosi, you think Dracula, but it's like, you know, he could have been the the monster also, which is wacky.
1: Yeah, and, and it kind of started this, like, decades-long... I don't know if I'd call it a feud, uh, but this rivalry, maybe, between Lugosi and um, and Karloff that was really more on Lugosi's end than it was Karloff's end. Lugosi, I think... Resented um, kind of the close association with Dracula for like pretty much the rest of his career, where Karloff had a little bit more of a, had a little bit more of a varied career. We had, you know, he got to play the mummy and he was uh, got to play other roles ba- later in life. Um, but uh, whereas Lugosi was kind of always stuck with the Dracula uh, curse, more or less, um, and it kind of developed into this like resentment from Lugosi towards Karloff although I don't think Karloff really reciprocated I don't think Karloff cared Mm -hmm. um but he but yeah it kind of I think this is kind of the beginning of that tension so to speak
0: yeah I mean uh Lugosi is always kind of a wacky character in and of itself you know and (laughs) uh, if if he's if he was anything like he was portrayed in in Ed Wood by Martin
1: Landau then I mean yeah for, I mean, I, I think they took liberties with that, but he was... I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, but... <laughs> well, first of all, that if movie... any of that is true, though. <laughs> that movie is fantastic. But um, they did... I think they did take liberties, but they also... I mean, he was kind of a drug addict uh, in, his later, in his later years, and he was kind of basically penniless and broke at the end of his life. So it, it wasn't that far off, uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, he was kind of... Yeah, if you ever see him in other films, um, and I've seen a couple of other movies that you know non-Dracula stuff, and it's like, it is odd, because he was so tied to Dracula, when you see him in another role, you're like, oh... That's weird, because <laughs> yeah. the accent was not a, the Dracula accent was not a Dracula accent, it was Bela Lugosi's real accent, so him, like, playing, like, right. a straight character with that, with this, the uh, with this accent, it just seemed very, very strange, like, if you ever watched the film <laughs> The Black Cat, which is a movie with him and Karloff in it, where he plays the... He plays the baby face to the Karloff's heel in that film. Um yeah. it's it, he has that accent the whole time and it's just a little off-putting. But it's a great film. You should watch <laughs> wow. The Black Cat if you've never seen it. Yeah. Um but you're right um that he wasn't originally going to be that role. Um so Karloff was obviously eventually cast in the role and I think uh it really helped because Karloff was kind of a a bigger kind of a of a bigger frame. And then plus adding the kind of the lifts in the shoes get made made the monster a little more intimidating.
0: Yeah, didn't like uh didn't James Whale kinda just see him like kinda walk past him like at a restaurant or something and be like, Oh, that's
1: him. That's my my monster or something. Oh, I've right? never heard that story, no. it, it, it
0: it's, it's I think I it was in the, one of the documentaries about about the film. Something to the effect of like, you know, uh james whale was like i think he we was at a restaurant and they kind of just saw carloff just walk by and you know how he has it's like the that you know just his shape and just how he looks you know he just took one look at him and was like oh that's him i need him uh I'm, I'm i'm sure i'm getting some of the minor details wrong but that's pretty much the gist of the story from what i understand
1: you know what that does sound familiar now that you say it it does sound familiar um and I don't doubt it cuz I mean he's he does I mean even without the makeup he does kind of have a that face is very unique, right? That face yeah. is very like I mean you can look you can see it in the mummy uh whenever he's just when he's just the when he's not in the mummy makeup and he's just kind of like a regular guy, quote unquote. Um he he does kind of have that kind of kind of pronounced like brow right that like kind of sticks out and his like eyes are a little bit sunken in uh so i could see that like he does kind of look a little menacing so um that yeah i could see that um a little bit of trivia we'll go back to Legosi real quick uh he actually would end up going into playing uh the monster uh in frankenstein meets the wolfman um even though uh the uh <laughs> they he was supposed to speak in the movie, and uh, all his lines were cut because he sounded like Bell Lugosi. <laughs> not surprised so um yeah that that's a little bit of a a little bit of a bummer um a couple other kind of trivia notes I wanted to get into here was um the scene and we'll get to the scene in a little bit, but the scene where uh he well the movie was basically heavily censored at the time, and the scene where with the little girl that was mm-hmm. um that was actually we're pretty lucky that we can see it now because it was actually cut from a lot of a lot of negatives after uh whenever kind of the censorship boards had seen it, even though this was pre code that scene in in itself was really controversial and it was cut from a lot of releases and it wasn't yeah. actually reintroduced into like um until the eighties because the 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 negative had thought was thought to be lost, uh and then they rediscovered it and then kind of cut it back into the film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where like, you know, yeah, it's pre code, but like you gotta kinda gotta be sensitive to the time period. Um because by all accounts, like this movie in twenty nineteen is very tame. Like you don't oh yeah it, like you kind of don't get what the fuss is about, but then you kind of put your shoes in, like, the 1931 mindset and, like, uh, okay, well, I guess I get it.
1: And, I mean, that's – I mean, it, it's pretty tame, but that scene is still pretty shocking in 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 context, yeah. uh, even, even by 2019. I mean, because you don't see kids die in movies, even in horror movies, right? Like, it's very rare. So to see, like, a kid die in a film, uh, even in 1930 – you know, especially 1931, 1931, is, is a little – it's a little rough.
0: Right, but but it's it's like you kind of weigh that against like what apparently they found equally horrible was the blasphemy, <laughs> which I, I just laugh at that they kind of put those on equal footing.
1: <laughs> yeah, the um uh, uh now I know now I know what it feels like to be God, which is that's right really pissed people off. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's the whole—that's the whole theme of the movie, right? Like they, they had the line has to be in there. So yeah. uh, apparently, the Kansas censorship board required uh, that they cut 32 scenes, which, if they would have done so, would have basically been half of the film.
0: Like the little girl, I like, get yeah, like, but this is this just seems silly to me when I was reading about it.
1: Um and then what else here? Oh, the in Ireland the film was banned uh completely for and I love this this I love this this uh this explanation for being demoralizing and unsuitable for children or nervous people. <laughs> Define <laughs> nervous, ner- people. N- nervous people. Nervous people. That this is funny. Um and it was banned in China under the category of superstitious films.
0: Oh well it's China. So
1: well. Yeah, well, they they have their own issues, yeah. um, and then the other kind of thing I want to mention here is the um, Igor uh, is a, is a character very closely associated with Frankenstein, but he's not called Igor in this film, and nor is he called Igor in in Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, the both movies have like the assistant to to the doctor, and in this movie, his name is Fritz. Uh, Fritz meets an untimely end, <laughs> and then uh, in the next film, he's called Carl. In fact, uh, the hunchbacked Igor doesn't appear until Son of Frankenstein in 1939, played by Bela Lugosi. Yeah. <laughs> so it all comes back.
0: <laughs> you know, it's a circle. Like, not a triangle that has edges, you know, it's a
1: circle. <laughs> and I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was the last time uh Karloff appeared as the monster. He played Car- the Monster in the sequel in Bright of Frankenstein, and uh and then he came back as uh as the monster in Son of Frankenstein. And then after that, no more uh no more Karloff in the makeup. No more Karloff. And you well, can tell he was,
0: he- but he was in um he was in the makeup for uh Avid and Costello, right?
1: Nope. That was somebody else. I forget who it that's
0: was. Somebody else. Oh, really? Okay. Bell Lugosi came
1: back for Dracula. Um, uh, but I forget who it was under the makeup for Frankenstein. Because son of Frankenstein was the last time he did it. Oh, okay. Um and he did other universal horror movies, but not as not as the monster. No, that's uh, and uh yeah, so interesting. Uh it, it, it's kind of interesting because this movie kind of developed the look of the monster that we kind of all know and love now you know like the he's tall he's got the flat top he's green he's got bolts in his neck like that's what everyone associates with the frankenstein's monster and it all kind of came from this film yeah like everything from cartoons to the monsters to to i don't know any any other kind of the hotel transylvania whatever you want to think of the monster is always kind of whenever they do any sort of parody or any sort of kind of um, drawing of it. Like if you ask anybody what he looks like, they, they describe basically the, the Boris Karloff version,
0: which is which it's, it's wacky because I went to see a, a play version of Frankenstein, I think last year, the year before, I was within the last like year or two years that they had in in the city, um, and. When I when you see like the monster that's just portrayed there, you know, I keep thinking that's the monster, like that looks nothing like Boris Karloff, like so. But it's like it just kind of more exemplifies how like the look that this movie kind of introduced for Frankenstein has kind of transcended like pop culture, and that's what people think of now when they think of Frankenstein,
1: yeah. And you know, I mean, you can always sort of like compare it to other kind of famous portrayals, like. You get the Christopher Lee version in the 50s for the Hammer Horror version is much different. He's like almost like pale skinned, and uh, he's a lot. They really focus more on the gore of what it's like to stitch like a human body together in that one. And then they have the uh, the Robert De Niro version from the 90s, which is not a great film, <laughs> but but it's still interesting enough to watch. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that version uh, with Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, I think, directed it um but it's uh it's not a bad film but it's Robert De Niro I'm not sure was the right guy to play the monster um <laughs> but he's like he certainly looks like he kind of just looks like a guy that's stitched together he doesn't you know doesn't look like a a big monster or anything
0: right I mean, we love
1: Bobby De Niro but maybe not here <laughs> um but yeah, the, the film certainly kind of started the whole the whole trend in, in what what Frankenstein's supposed to look like. Uh it, it's uh what I find interesting about the movie is that it's not a really a perfect adaptation. Um it completely leaves out the the monster's mate uh altogether, which and they leave it for a second movie. Um but in the mm-hmm. in the book it that's all one book, like that that takes place all in one story. Um mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting that they they do that. Um but yeah, it's still, um, it's still a very kind of much beloved adaptation, and it's very quick to watch. It's only like an hour and ten minutes or something.
0: Oh, it's such an easy watch. You're absolutely right. Yeah, still with the short time.
1: Uh, so let's let's go ahead and get into let's get into Frankenstein here. Um, the film begins basically with uh, with uh, an announcer coming out of a of a a. Uh, a uh, curtain, and he's addressing the audience, and he's talking about how Mr. Lemley feels that we should warn you uh, before you're about to see this film, <laughs> and now it could be for the not for the faint of heart and blah blah blah, and it's like, well, we warned you, uh, which That's I think is carny, a kind of it's totally thing. a totally carny thing, uh, and but it's very it's a very fun little little addition to the film
0: It kind of sets the stage, you're absolutely right. It's wacky,
1: and, uh, you know, it gets you ready. And then pretty much after that, we go right into the opening credits. So it's funny, because it's a cold open, right? And then they go to the credits. Uh, And then uh, we're at a... It goes right into, like, this funeral scene uh, where we have uh, Dr. Henry Frankenstein. I always want to call him Victor Frankenstein, but Dr. Henry Frankenstein and and Fritz kind of looking on, because they're about to do something really... Kind of uh, grim, and uh, st- steal some body parts.
0: Yeah, it, who well, the poor sap that just got buried? They're gonna dig up the dig up the coffin and uh, scrounge it for body parts, basically.
1: Yeah, and the, this scene is really is really fun to watch because the when you just look at the kind of the the set design, um, and you, you were talking about German expressionism here, the the um, the 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 influence is really felt here because you got like it you just got it just feels like a German expressionist film and maybe it's because it's supposed to take place in that kind of area of 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 europe but um right you've got like the 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 graves and the crosses that are like kind of at an angle and like the lighting is really stark you know um it, it just looks i mean obviously it was filmed in a studio but it just looks really it looks really uh like something that wasn't really what's what i'm looking for it wasn't really like anything that was coming out during that era that this kind of mm-hmm. setting yeah, at least not in america right exactly um so we get uh we get victor why do i keep wanting to call him victor we get henry and and uh fritz uh digging up the corpse and getting you know putting it on a little wagon and taking it to taking it to basically like you said scratch her body parts
0: yeah you know, they take it back up to the lab and uh i mean at the same time uh you have uh henry's fiance i guess it's this fiance now uh elizabeth there she's kind of worried about you know what's going on with henry she hasn't seen him in like what i think she said months at this point she hasn't seen him because he's always in the lab he's doing his experiments and like we need to find out what's going on. Like, what what the hell is he doing, basically?
1: Um, yeah, she she basically is is in there, and she's talking to what's his name? Um, uh, Victor. This is Victor. Yeah, this is Victor. <laughs> this yeah. is Victor. Um, and she's talking to Victor about how, like, yeah, he he hasn't been around. I gotta, I, I need to find out what's going on with him. And Victor is totally the uh, the. <laughs> he's been friend zoned, right? Because zone, <laughs> <he's, laughs> I mean, what is Victor's point in this movie? Really, honestly, because he like, even she's like she, she even basically tells him like, yeah, it's not happening, pal. <laughs> yeah,
0: and he says to her she's like, you know, you know, for you, I'll do anything, and that's when she kind of says to him, yeah, you know, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> But she, but she does it in that, like, polite way, like, oh, you're so kind or whatever. But, like, you can kind of tell in, like, what she's saying and how she says it. Like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but while this is happening, I believe uh, Fritz breaks into the medical school and he tries to steal one of the two brains that uh, Dr. Waldman left there. Um, but, of course, um, there's it's the normal brain, quote-unquote, and the criminal brain. Ooh, right? <laughs> Which is such, like wacky quackery, but, I mean, that's neither here nor there right now.
1: The Abbey normal brain. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so our boy Fritz grabs the normal brain, unfortunately, like, I think something, like, he hears a noise and it startles him, so he drops the normal brain and it, and it breaks on the floor. So, he grabs the other brain, I guess, not reading what it said, and he takes the criminal brain with him.
1: Of course, and, uh, with that, um, He's, you know, we basically we get to the scene where he's starting to. He's got the 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 creature on the on the giant table, an operating table. We don't see him; he's covered up all in in like the sheet, right? And uh, as as he's as he's inserting the brain, and he's, he's getting ready to do his his experiment. Uh, you know, we get Elizabeth and Victor and Doctor Walden all show up, and they're like in at the door and basically try to convince him to stop this this madness
0: <laughs> yeah and of course uh you know kind of henry is very stubborn he's like you know i'm on the cusp of something you know uh and they're there when he uh he finally like when he raises like the uh the slab uh you know to get the like the 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 thunder the thunder and the lightning and all that I think they're they're there when he does that
1: right yeah they're there whenever he actually creates the mon- like when he actually yeah when the the thunderstorm happens yeah they're there they come right before he's about to do it
0: yeah so um they raise this, the slab up yeah and
1: then, then we get, get struck by very, a bunch of lightning and then we get the very yeah. famous scene yeah. yeah um and uh. You know, we see the... And it's a great... It's actually a really kind of creepy sequence where you see that, uh, you know, after the lightning crashes and, you know, everything... The experiment's over and they bring the table back down. You see the hands slowly start to, like, move. And and then and then that's whenever you get the immortal line. It's alive. It's alive. Yeah. And it's a great... You sequ- know, people parody that all the time, but it's actually a really great sequence where not only is it creepy, you see the, the hands start to move, but you also kind of see like the madness kind of overtake Henry in that moment like not only is like he's like it's it's a mixture of like he's so happy that he that he's that that it worked but he's also so like maniacal that like I knew it was gonna work I told you it was gonna work and and now I feel like God you know and it's a really creepy sequence <laughs>
0: Yeah, the way like he gets all bug-eyed, like there's great acting here too. Um, he gets all bug-eyed and starts so like laughing maniacally, and it's like you know, and that's when he says that infamous line, you know, "Now I know what it's like to be God."
1: <laughs> that pissed off of the church. So, um, and yeah, so and then even then, you don't really get to see the, the monster right away, like he, he they because they still kind of keep him underneath wraps for a little while um because, so, because then after that you kind of get like the sequence where he's uh where where henry and um and Waldman are just kind of discussing uh discussing everything and and uh it was he's like no what you you don't understand what was in that what's in that creature's head is an abnormal brain, a criminal brain
0: i <laughs> every time they talk about that abnormal criminal brain, I just laughed because, like, wasn't that, like, all proven to be quackery? Like, all of that was, like, nonsense. Wasn't that, like, from Freud or something?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on. It's, it, this is, like, eighteen hundred science, right? Like, exactly.
0: like I mean, <laughs> That's why um, I just laugh at it now, because it's, like, the criminal brain.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. But hey, then but, we, I
0: mean, it's just, it's wacky.
1: Then we also, we actually also forgot, we, we there, there's a, we, we also have a, a sequence where, uh, we we get a, a scene with um, Henry's father uh, where he's talking to Elizabeth and and wondering why Henry hasn't married her yet, and he's, <laughs> and he's 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 all annoyed and saying that you know it must be some other woman like right to her face by the way yeah <laughs> or some other woman and like he's gonna like you know talk some sense into him and he's really mad it's it, these scenes don't really work for me because they're really more based on like they're a little more comedic and uh, it, it just kind of, t- to me, it takes a, a little bit away from the, from the story. And the, now granted, if you take the stuff out, the movie would be really short, but uh, it, the, these scenes always kind of like eh, to me.
0: Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's, I guess it's like, a I don't want to say it's a pacing issue, but it's more like a atmospheric issue, I guess. Cause kind, of, kind of like what you're saying. Like, you know, you kind of kind of want to retain that sense of like dread and what's going on. But then like, the dad comes along like being, you know, old and, you know, kind of stubborn and doing his like funny lines. And then it's, you know, it kind of takes away from what the mood's supposed to be. Um,
1: so then we go back to, we're back to uh, Henry and Waldman back in the, uh, in the laboratory and the laboratory again is another really great, uh, another really great kind of, uh, set design really again inspired by the uh by the german expressionist like the like the the weird angles and the shadows and everything yeah um and I, I, and i think it's right after he tells him that it's a criminal brain or whatever you hear the footsteps coming and then the creature kind of comes out of the darkness and it's a really great shot where he's kind of like to the back of the camera and then, like, he slowly turns around and he's in like, kind of in shadow. And then you kind of see his, like, face illuminated. And it's, like, real, like, I can, you know, to to us, it's pretty kind of commonplace, but I can, I really wish I could see, like, what the reaction was to, to seeing that for the first time back in, yeah. like, 1931.
0: And I love when, like, when they introduce him, they do, like, those really quick cuts. And, so, like, they do a close up of, like, the eyes and then goes back and it goes forward again. Like, it's just, one of the that like, kind of it's meant to like you know show like shock and I I get it but like just the way they did it was was cool I thought
1: yeah so uh so he's trying to like you know talk to the creature and then kind of he asks him to sit down and then he like he opens like like the sunroof or something and like this light comes in and then you it's another really awesome shot of the creature like looking at the sunlight and then just like reaching up uh, like kind of fascinated with the sun. And, you know, this is, I just want to point out how awesome Karloff is here because he doesn't have any lines, really. He has some lines in Bride of Frankenstein. We learned to talk. But in this film, he doesn't really have any lines. He just kind of goes, mm, you know, a lot. And, yeah. But he he, it's all a physical performance. It's like a silent film performance, really. And he is excellent in this film. Like, he's so believable as this kind of mindless, you know, Abomination,
0: yeah. I mean, for all we've talked about, like you know, the, the rest of the cast, you know, like um, like Colin Clive as as Henry Frankenstein, you know, uh, Edward Van Sloan as Dr. Waldman, you know, everybody's great here, but like, but seeing how Boris Karloff, like you said, like he has really no lines in this movie, just the way he's able to still emote and act the way he does, it's just a, it's a true talent there.
1: Um. Yeah, exactly, and 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 it's. He, I don't think Luke. You know, I've seen. I saw Lugosi's uh, interpretation of the monster in Frankenstein versus the Wolfman, and I I don't know if he would have been the right call. To be honest, I think Karloff is really the 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 one who really, no pun intended, brought the creature to life. Right. Um, soon after this, uh, the fr- Fritz comes in with a with like a torch, which scares the which scares the monster, and in his kind of in his kind of fright, he kind of freaks out and you know kind of goes on a little bit of a rampage, which then causes a, which causes a Frankenstein to think he's too dangerous to be in society and kind of chains him up in, in the dungeon. Uh, Fritz being Fritz and kind of a little asshole, um, decides that he wants to like mess with the, mess with the monster and just, uh, goes in, goes in with the torch to, to, you know, basically antagonize him. Um, and you know, the monster eventually, you know, gets loose and kills Fritz,
0: Does he, like, hang? Because you just see, like, the shadow, like, him, like, hanging off of whatever. But is
1: that what he does?
0: Or, like, or we're not really supposed to know how he kills him. It's just, like, he killed him and he just hung him.
1: Well, you hear, like, like, the the scream off camera, I think. And then um, I I always get the impression that, yeah, like, he hung him or, like, he strangled him or something. He basically, he kills him but i I, I, yeah. I i'm not sure exactly what i, I always thought he kind of like to strangled him or something
0: right so then they close the door back on him and then that's when Dr. Waldman says oh we got to like you got to got to kill him now like, like and he gets like the hypodermic needle and then they let him out again and then that's when they Oh that's right. Him yeah, him.
1: you're right. That's whenever the And that's when
0: Elizabeth shows up with with his dad. So yeah. Because they gotta get rid of the body, quote unquote.
1: So right, but they did. But he did. They did get like they did inject him, right? Um, they did inject the creature because it. But they just uh, right because then Henry's father comes does arrive to take him home. That's right. Yeah. Or, oh, I forgot okay. about that part. Stupid Henry's father messes me up because I just think that character is just so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Waldman, you know, basically Henry Henry uh, says he's gonna go, and Waldman says he's gonna he's going to destroy the creature. But obviously that does not happen. So we a little bit later, uh, where we see Henry, he's at home, and uh, he's getting ready for um he's getting ready for his wedding to Elizabeth. And uh, while at the same time Waldman is back in the uh, back in the dungeon, and he's yeah, and he's ready to perform the. I guess like a autopsy or like a what's he gonna do? Like like basically he's, he's trying to like do like not an autopsy but like a, a a dissection on the creature.
0: Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean he makes some sort of observation before, and saying, "Oh, you know, every time like I give him a dose, like he wakes out of it, so I keep upping the dose, upping the dose." Um, and then as he's about to, I think as he's saying that, like he gets up and then he kind of sneaks up on him from behind and and kills him. That's it
1: so now the creature is uh is loose uh, and uh and henry is not the wiser cuz he's off getting ready for his wedding day um and uh as uh, as the creature is kind of loose this is where we get the infamous scene with the the little girl maria at the by the by the lake or the pond or whatever it's supposed to be
0: uh yeah this this is was... <laughs> This is a very uh, uncomfortable scene. Yeah. So, you know, the the her dad goes into the village for whatever reason. He says, um, "You know, she's stay, stays behind, plays with the cat. Good thing the cat ran away before uh, any of this went down." But uh she's with the cat. Then all of a sudden, uh, the creature kind of shows up from like the bushes. She doesn't know any better. She like, thinks he's like some random guy, you know. And of course, in 1931, people talk to strangers all the time, apparently. So. <laughs> You know, she wants him to play with her, which they do. Um, you know, they kind of.
1: Well, she's throwing uh, flowers like, and showing him how yeah, they
0: float. How they float exactly? So, him not knowing the difference between a flower petal and a human being, grabs her and throws her into the water to see if she floats. And unfortunately, she does not.
1: And how deep is this? Is this thing though? I mean, they're right next to the. They're right next to like the the shore. And she managed to drown in that water. How deep is that thing? Yeah, that's
0: how, that was my, I was thinking that too. I'm like, isn't at least, like, and here's my thing too, like, how did, she, when the dad came back, how did he know that she was in the water? Unless, like, she was floating, right? But if she was able to float as a dead body, couldn't she have floated as a living person? Like, I, that's what I were, I don't know, maybe my science or my physics is off, but I don't know. It just, it feels weird. Yeah,
1: well, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there. (laughs) Um, Like, like if she sunk to the bottom,
0: how did he even find her? You know, unless he kind of suspected that from the beginning and and looked and went down there, but, I mean, that's not the first place I checked.
1: (laughs) Um, There is a great shot here whenever she gives him the flower for the first time, and, like, he slowly, like, Picks it like raises it up to his to his face. It's really kind of an iconic shot where he like slowly raises the flower to his face and like smells it, and then he smiles. And it's like it shows like he's a very simple minded creature, and he doesn't right. really know what 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 he's doing. Um. So what, what's interesting is so like Karloff clearly like just tosses a kid into the water, right? Like it's it like we see the kid go into the water. So I wonder like what uh it was i'm not sure because it, obviously that's out an outside shot, so I don't know if that was a like on a set somewhere that they had like a like a big tank or something, but I just wonder like when they got that little girl out of there that little actress out of there
0: yeah <laughs>
1: um but then we we uh, our next scene is uh we get the, <laughs> i always like those those dudes that are dancing and like with the leader and like slapping their <laughs> knees and stuff, and then yeah. shortly after that we get a uh, we get the Maria's father kind of walking through the village carrying her dead body, which is really messed up.
0: Yeah, and pretty much everybody's stopping in their tracks as he's walking past them. Once he gets to, um, to uh, I call him the Burgermeister Meisterburger from uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Oh, yeah, <laughs> think, the Burgermeister
1: think... Meisterburger. That's right.
0: So <laughs> he, he brings the uh, he brings uh, Maria's body to the Burgermeister, and. Uh, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I feel bad. You know, I I forgot how he says it. To him. you know, like, you know, like, I'm I'm sorry about your loss. No, but like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> basically, he says to him, and you know, he says, well, I want justice. You know, so basically, they get the townspeople together
1: and they hunt for. And how do they
0: know it's the thing? Like, it's the creature already. Like, well, do they just suspect it's, like somebody or I
1: don't know. If, I don't know if they know so much as as Henry knows because, um, uh, Victor uh comes back saying hey i just found Waldman he's dead so the, so then that leads henry to think okay the monster must have gotten loose and killed him um and then while he's doing that like the, the the creature finds elizabeth and uh like on her bed uh and then she screams and they run to go find her so then then after all that i think is when maria's father is carrying the body and then yeah. um so victor knows it's Victor. God damn it! <laughs> Henry knows it's the monster, but I don't know that the townspeople actually know it's the monster. They just know somebody did it. Somebody did it, yeah. Or maybe they do, and then they just—they don't really ever explain it. I don't know. <laughs> um, so they—they they kind of go off to to find to find the monster to kill it, uh, and then kind of Henry kind of goes off by himself uh, in another direction, and they actually guys, kind of has a face-to-face confrontation with him. Uh, and another kind of really, really nice shot where they're kind of both staring at each other with like, uh, with like creator and and creation, uh, both kind of staring each other down. That's a it's a really excellent shot. Yeah. Um, so the the creature kind of knocks him, knocks him unconscious, carries him to like a mill, and that's where the parents, the the, the parents and the peasants and the all the townsfolk are coming with like their pitchforks and their torches, uh, and uh, they are basically trying to go after the go after the creature. Um, and um, the creature is kind of stuck in the the mill at the very top. And the, uh, the he throws Henry down to the ground. How did he not
0: die from that? Like I the don't way know. He threw him, like he landed on like one of the 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 tips of the of the like the windmill. And then he falls off of that onto the ground. Like I'm surprised he didn't die.
1: Yeah, he should have died. <laughs> uh and then the, the villagers set the uh the windmill on fire and the creature supposedly for this film dies. Obviously you'll see right. in the next film that he does not die. But uh he, he goes up in flames with the with the windmill and then in our last scene we, we see uh that uh Henry is recuperating uh, with Elizabeth at his side, and then we get uh, Baron Frankenstein, the, the Burgermeister, or whatever you want to call him, uh, talk about how, uh, you know, he's going to have a grandchild or something, and then the movie ends. Which is a weird way to end. It is such like, a weird way to end the movie.
0: I would have ended it with like just a kind of, a, like, a, a wide shot of, like, the windmill on fire, and that would have been it, you know, but no, we gotta
1: get, like, Baron Frankenstein getting the last word in. And then, and then, yeah, and then there's like he gets last worded, and then the movie just ends cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, that was a weird way to end it ended, but all right, there we go. Um, so let's let's go over some of the stuff, like in some some notes. Uh, like I said, I think to me the the, the all star of this film is Boris Karloff. Um, he yep. like perfectly embodies the monster, and I don't think anybody that's ever played any other you know, on-screen monster from you know Frankenstein all the way to Freddy Krueger uh, has perfectly encap- like encapsulated like like their their on-screen presentation more than more than Carloff does.
0: Oh, absolutely! Like this was like basically a, a star-making vehicle for him here, Um and just his portrayal of, of the creature in this movie. Like I said before, like pretty much transcended pop culture, not just in the the design of like, you know, like the makeup and how we portray, but like how Boris Karloff himself portrayed him as well. Just, I mean, he has like that imposing figure to begin with, but to kind of take that and turn it into a pop culture icon is, is something else.
1: Yeah. And it's really a, it's a, it's an achievement of, of the, of the acting of the costuming and the, and the makeup. And the fact that Karloff can, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, emote under that right. uh, under that heavy makeup, and like get that since get that sympathy for the audience, uh, even though it's like this this mindless monster, is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I I and I think that honestly, like I remember. The first time I saw it, like when the the monster dies at the end, or we think he dies at the end, yeah, I felt sorry for him. Like as a little seven year old kid, I was like, I felt sorry for the monster because not his fault. It's not his fault. He was born exactly.
0: None of this was his fault. Like he has to be made, and then to kind of be given that burden. Of, oh well, now he has to know what everything is or what it is to be a human. Like that's, you know that that's not right. Um
1: so like i think we mentioned them when we when when we went through the film um the two my my two kind of favorite scenes in the film and i and i don't want, i don't want to say favorite but my two kind of the most iconic sequences are the the creation sequence and the and the sequence with maria uh i think those two are very like the most iconic in the film um i think they're kind of going to live on in like film history is... as a uh, these just iconic moments uh like the especially the it's alive it's alive sequence that that's to this day will never get old oh of course you and, know
0: again that's one of those like lasting uh lasting uh movie quotes and lasting like images of like just again to transcend you know pop culture
1: and what's interesting about it is something that i didn't realize until i watched it this time and while I was doing my research for it, um, the only time you hear music is that during the opening credits and the closing credits. And in the middle, there's no music at all. Um, yeah. There's no music score, which is interesting because I would have could have sworn there was. And if this was like would have been done in 2019, there would have been like the very dramatic score during that creation sequence. Mm
0: hmm. And then there would have been some type of, you know, dramatic score during the Maria sequence as well. I mean, you'd be all over it.
1: Um, so what what other kind of, uh, what other noteworthy scenes or, or subjects do you want to tackle on this?
0: Um, I mean, we pretty much covered it all here. Like, we covered, like, the, the, the classic sequences. We covered, like, all the wacky stuff. Um... I think we pretty much we we got it down packed already I mean again this is a great film you know really like one of the pioneers um, in the uh, classic monster genre you know along with Dracula so uh, um, and there's a reason why it has a reputation that it has and why it's been been so memorable for so long
1: yeah and, and like I said the movie's really it's a really quick watch like it's like it's an hour and 10 minutes um, so it's really it's a really fast watch um but as we talked about earlier, the the film was a huge hit uh, for both audiences and critics. Uh, it, it did really well at the box office, and the critics also gave it uh, pretty good reviews. Um, a lot of people compared it favorably to Dracula and basically said it kind of, uh, what Dracula started, this movie kind of evolved. Um, and it's funny because from this point forward, like the the, you know, Universal kind of made its kind of, back on all these monster movies and uh, you know it's funny because all the uh, initial entries of the movies are always really good but then their sequels are always really kind of silly um with the exception of uh, frankenstein the first um the first film obviously was a big success um and they pretty much started working on the sequel which was bride of frankenstein mm-hmm. um where they got james whale to come back uh and if kind of as a side note have you ever heard of the movie gods and Monsters? Yes, I have. With Ian Our boy McKellen and Magneto. Yeah, it's a great film. You should it, it, if you, you should kind of um uh, seek it out and watch it. It kind of uh, is about James Whale's kind of final days uh and it's, it's a little bit of a fictionalized account of his like final days and they kind of go into some of the Bride of Frankenstein stuff too, but it's a great film. Every, everyone should watch it. But uh Ian McKellen plays uh James Whale. But James uh sorry, Bride of Frankenstein was the direct sequel. And then that was followed by Son of Frankenstein uh, with Basil Rathbone playing the titular Son of Frankenstein where they bring the monster back. And like I said, uh, Bella Lugosi plays the plays Igor who is a, a hunchback because of a, a, a botched hanging which is fun. Um, and then <laughs> followed, that's followed by The Ghost of Frankenstein and that's when the movies start to get cheesy and bad. Uh, yeah. Followed by Frankenstein meets the Wolfman which is the The first instance, I think, of uh, the uh, universal uh, cinematic universe. Um, (laughs) That's followed by House of Frankenstein, then House of Dracula, and of course, Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. Um, The the film was inducted in 1991 to the Library of Congress for being culturally significant. Um, And it's um, widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time. It is number it's on the afi list as number what is it number 87 uh and in the 100 movie quotes it got in number 49 for it's alive it's alive uh and on the 100 thrills it ranked at number 56 um and what else we got here um like i said there's also obviously a big kind of cultural influence uh a lot of spin-offs and parodies the uh, the monsters we mentioned earlier uh young frankenstein in 1974 with mel brooks oh, which classic. which yep. you should which is a good companion piece to this cuz they a lot of the jokes are pretty much basically lifted from this film um there's been plenty of uh you know I don't know if I call them remakes because it is the it is based on a book, so there are other people basically just adapted the same material. Um, famously, the Curse of Frankenstein, which is the uh, the one the Hammer horror one with Christopher Lee as the as the as the creature, and uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, which is the one with Robert De Niro as the creature. Um, right. But there was a remake, a Universal Monsters remake in the works. Um there well, there were two of them actually in the works. Um, one was supposed to be directed by Guillermo del Toro in the mid two thousands um with with his uh with his partner that's frequently in all his movies, Doug Jones as the monster. That ended up being cancelled, and that would have been very interesting to see because uh, I think Guillermo del Toro's sensibilities would have worked really well for that. Um, and then the other one would have been the The now aborted Dark Universe. Um, (laughs) That was supposed to have um, uh, Javier Bardem as the monster, which is a good casting choice. But yeah, that Dark Universe did not... That was not a good... uh, that did it's not a, pan out as planned. No, And I'm actually still kind of annoyed about that because I would have loved to have seen that. As a, as a fan of the Universal Monsters, I would have loved to have seen it, but that Mummy movie was so bad. I was going to say, then go back and tell the Mummy not to suck them. Oh, that Mummy movie was so horrible. They screwed it up from the beginning. They just tried way too hard to, to do the, the Marvel thing, and they should have just focused on making a good movie. Oh, yeah. so bad so bad dude um the the movie is pretty much available pretty much on any digital platform um i do have the universal monsters collection uh on blu-ray which is a really nice way to see it because it includes pretty much all of this all those uh pride of frankenstein Center of Frankenstein, goes to frankenstein all those movies are on that set so uh i would recommend uh to get that if you're a cinephile um but that would but that would be my uh That'd be my word on that. Yeah. Um, I really don't have much to add here.
0: Uh, you pretty much said it perfectly. Um, but yeah, the uh, Universal Monsters set, I think I got it years ago when it went on sale for like 60 bucks or something to that effect. It was the same time that... Around the same time I got the Alfred Hitchcock set for around the same price as well. So um, really good set. Um, so I definitely recommend that to all who don't have any of these you know universal monster movies uh definitely i'd look for that set first
1: now i know you're you went to universal studios in the last few years i know there's like a universal monsters attraction did you see that at all
0: um not really um i i read about you know that they kind of have that it's more for during halloween they have like a whole section of the park with as the universal monsters thing um but when i went it was i went in january and then i went in april so like i really didn't get to see much of that unfortunately
1: because i i went in um in the mid 90s and there was like a st- <laughs> it was like a stage show and they had all the monsters come out and it was really cheesy and I wonder if they still do that. So someone someone send me like a tweet or a Facebook message or something and let me know if they still do this this really cheesy stage show. Because I remember it being really they had like all the all the monsters came out with like the Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula and all that stuff. And I remember it being super cheesy.
0: Yeah. Um I, I if they still do that great, but unfortunately they didn't do that when I was there.
1: All right. Um, I think that'll wrap up our discussion on Frankenstein unless you have any other thoughts on it. No.
0: Nope. Uh, I think we're good.
1: So, we're going to we're going to do a little something a little different now before we announce our next movie. Um, I am going to bust out the random movie generator. However, um given that it's the end of November, um I am going to pick a movie from the random movie generator, but I'm also going to announce our Christmas movie. And basically what's going to happen is um, we're going, I want to squeeze in one more movie before we do the Christmas movie. But if our schedules are looking like that's not going to happen, our next episode will be the Christmas movie. And then the the movie that I'm about to pick now will be the episode afterwards. But if we can get this episode in before the Christmas movie, that'll be first. Does that make sense? All right. Yes, it does. So let's let before I tell you what the Christmas movie is, let's uh, pick out the next film in the random movie generator. All right, let's go. Okay, and the film that it has picked. Oh, it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing you a little something and see if you can guess it for my horrible singing.
0: So I don't get to see him in just The Mandalorian now.
1: (laughs) That's right. Rocky is going to be our next film. Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, is now appearing in The Mandalorian. That's true. But that'll be the next film if we get that in before the Christmas one. If not, the Christmas one will be first, and then Rocky will be... After that, uh, so Rocky, that's that is one of my favorite films of, of all time. I think I've seen Rocky like at least 50 times in my life. I could probably recite the movie like forwards and backwards, yeah.
0: yeah that's a, that's one of those. that's gonna be a fun show because just Sylvester so Stallone just being whacked. Um, I'll talk 90 minutes just about that. <laughs>
1: um, and then the christmas film um I, I ran a little poll where i i did kind of a, a kind of like i did with frankenstein uh for the halloween film for the christmas film i ran a little uh eight I'm eight hilarious. film eight film single elimination tournament uh and the winner of that tournament is holiday inn so that will be our christmas movie this year all right um holiday inn this will be interesting have you ever seen holiday inn
0: Uh, once, a long time ago. So, me watching, it now almost be like watching it for the first time.
1: So, I'm just going to say this now. There is a very controversial scene in Holiday Inn involving... Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yep. yep, Involving blackface. Um, I am going to take the, uh, I'm going to take the film historian position on this and say that we will be watching the film in its entirety... Um, we're not going to not discuss that scene. Um, Un, if, uncut,
0: uncensored, like some right. people. It,
1: and it's a, it, it is an unfortunate part of our national history. Um, but uh, I think it is important to watch the film in its original context. And that's all I'll say about it. And we can discuss more about the scene when we actually get to it. But um, just a, it's a trigger warning for anybody out there. There is a blackface sequence in the film if you've never seen the film before, uh, you can certainly feel free to fast forward during that part. Um, but we are going to be discussing the film in its entirety.
0: Yes, sir.
1: All right. So that'll be that'll do it for us uh, for this episode. Um, uh, please uh, visit Essential Films Write to us at Essential Films Podcast at gmail.com, And like the Essential Films on Facebook or follow at Essential Films on Twitter and please like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. And also, listen to our other show, Force Perspective, where, uh, Mark, take it away. What do we have going on there?
0: Oh, well, last few episodes, we have a review of Joker Up, where we we talk with our, our good friend, Headcase. We guys like that movie. Um, we kind of have a kind of a random show after that, where we kind of get into uh, some of the stuff we've seen recently. Plus, um, we get into a retrospective, a quick retrospective on 500 Days of Summer, uh, to compliment our graduate Essential Films episode, which you know, you've know you all, I'm sure, listened to by now. Um, and then we have, uh, we bring our boy Denon in to talk about Terminator Dark Fate, a spoiler review, and that was a fun time. Kind of, pr- pretty much trashed that movie. Spoiler, spoiler
1: on the <laughs> spoiler review, we hated it. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, and the next episode, probably get into Parasite and some of the other stuff we've seen
1: recently as well. Jojo Rabbit, I saw I saw that one recently too. Ah, Jojo Rabbit, man! That's what a great movie. That's, That's I love movie. Taika Waititi, man. That was a good film. All right, um where can we find uh, where can we find you?
0: Oh well, you can find me on Twitter at SportsGuy515, and as far as Force spectacles you can even follow the show on Twitter at FP Movie Podcast, and there's a Facebook page you can uh, join and like. Uh, just search for the Force Spectacle Movie Podcast on Facebook.
1: All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, listening to this uh, episode on Frankenstein, as I said earlier. Uh, Our next episode will either be Rocky or Holiday Inn, and whichever one we do first, the other one will be second. So uh, just stay tuned for those. Just make sure you watch both of them before the next episode. Uh, Other than that, uh, as I said, we are recording this uh, a few days before Thanksgiving. So if if I manage to get it up before Thanksgiving, which I think I should be able to, uh, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, and uh, eat lots of turkey and don't drink and drive.
0: Absolutely. Enjoy the time with your families or however you want to spend your Thanksgiving. Uh, just enjoy the food, basically.
1: All right. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening and happy Thanksgiving.